This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, December 27, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. China's entrance into the World Trade Organization 10 years ago this month has been good for China and those with whom the Chinese trade. But has it been good for free trade overall? And are we closer to a world without protectionism? Dan Eikenson, Associate Director of the Cato Institute Center for Trade Policy Studies, offers his thoughts. This month marks China's uh, 10-year anniversary of its accession into the WTO. Uh, When China joined the World Trade Organization, it uh, committed itself to a vast body of uh, economic uh, reforms at home. And its economy has grown dramatically since then. Since uh, 2001, the economy has tripled in, in nominal terms to about $6 trillion. It's the second largest economy in the world now. China is the world's largest exporter. Uh, it has been a huge magnet for uh, foreign direct investment and, and other kinds of investment. Uh, investment is now flowing out of China. Of course, the Chinese have been buying uh, government debt for a long time, but uh, they're starting to move into direct investment and equity investment and things like that. And uh, by and large, the WTO has been very good for China, and and, and China has been good for the WTO. Hasn't uh, China being in the WTO also been good for trade in the sense that uh, a lot of countries' response to this growing uh, Chinese economy has been to push for protectionism. That, that's right. Uh, China's p- participation in the WTO, first of all, instilled confidence in countries around the world that China would play by the rules. Uh, and as a result, th- there was a lot of investment in China. Uh, con- uh, uh, interests invested with, without concern that there would be arbitrary takings and things like that. Um, but in the past few years, there has been a lot of concern around the world about you know, China's rise and uh, the competition from uh, Chinese exports, the impact on, on domestic markets. So there has been some temptation, I imagine, to, toward protectionism, and, and the WTO and its rules has, has disciplined uh, that protection. So, uh, so it, it, it's a good thing. Right, right now, I think the big question is whether or not China has actually lived up to its obligations in the WTO. And I think uh, it has done an, a marvelous job. It's, it, it, it really made commitments to sweeping reforms. It, and you know, the first five years of China's membership, the Bush administration uh, sort of granted a honeymoon period, recognizing that it's going to take a while to, to implement these reforms. Since then, there have been the cases brought where, where China has fallen short, and, and it is falling short in some areas. How has the U- U.S. responded uh, in recent uh, years to the rise of China? You know, in the past few years, certainly since uh, the recession, uh, policymakers and opinion leaders seem to have taken on a, a, a new perspective with respect to China. It's sort of a loss of confidence. I see China's rise, double-digit growth after the recession. China stayed on that same trajectory. The United States is suffering slow growth and high unemployment by U.S. standards. We're our government is heavily in debt. Uh, a lot of the debt is owned by the Chinese government. So two schools of thought have sort of emerged uh, among those who think we need to change tack. Some people say we haven't been tough enough with China and we need to enforce the rules better or we need to change the rules to, to discipline. We, we, that we didn't anticipate that China was going to be the juggernaut that it is and uh, therefore we need to revisit the rules and, and get tougher. And then there are others who are saying, wow, look what China has done uh, in the course of 10 years. Uh, 
with with state planning, with with central planning, uh, you know, mixed with uh, with capitalism, and, and and they're suggesting that Americans need industrial policy, just like the, the Chinese have used. But they need to be reminded that China has moved from a subsistence economy to mid-level manufacturing economy, uh, and the United States is you know at the fore of uh, of technology. Uh, there's there is. Uh, entrepreneurship and innovation uh, is, is not the product of central planning. It's the product of dispersed markets and rule of law and, and the sophisticated capital markets that we have here in the United States. And it's not like industrial uh, planning has not been tried in the United States. Right, that's right. Uh, th- th- in fact, <laughs> this administration uh, has l- looked at China's success as though it's some shiny object. And, you know, President Obama has been pushing for uh, subsidies and investments in uh, solar and wind and uh, lithium-ion ion battery technology. And uh, so far, that is not uh, generating a, a lot of, uh, of benefits, and it's clearly uh, producing a lot of waste. The Obama administration has taken several, at best, ham-fisted uh, policies toward uh, Chinese goods, does this is it going to cost us in terms of a future relationship with this emerging economy? Yeah, you know, I, I actually think the the administration's tack with China has been appropriate. Uh, it, it's not. It's really Congress that uh, complains at every turn. I mean, the Congress is closer to the people that they have to run for re-election every two years, and uh, they uh, like to pin. Uh, our problems on China's behavior, particularly when we have problems that seem intractable in, in an environment where where uh, politicians can't get things done. But the administration has, just like previous administrations, it, it seems to tra- uh, uh, transcend party. Uh, the the administration takes a, a broader view, I think, with respect to trade policy, with respect to China, and the administration doesn't want to have a trade war with China. And I don't think that that is really going to manifest itself. If it does, it's it's going to be subtle. It's going to be subtle in the sense that um, the United States has imposed duties on Chinese tires, for example, a couple of years ago. Did I think it was a good idea? No. But was the United States entitled to do that under the WTO? Yes. When China acceded to the WTO, it allowed it, it agreed to be treated differently for a period of time. Uh, after its accession. In fact, the law under which those, those, ti- those tire duties were imposed uh, uh, expires next year and it can't be used anymore. But the Chinese responded to those tire tariffs by imposing anti-dumping and countervailing duties on U.S. chicken exports and on auto parts exports from the United States to China. Now, uh, China is entitled under the WTO to have its own anti-dumping and, and countervailing duty laws. Many, uh, most countries are. Uh, but those those laws need to be administered in compliance with a, a framework uh, in the WTO, the anti-dumping agreement, the agreement on uh, uh, subsidies and countervailing measures. And the United States has brought China to the WTO uh, with respect to the chicken, uh, the anti-dumping measures on chicken, saying, look, China did not comply with its obligations under the WTO on this. And it's quite possible that's, that's the case. The distinction I'm trying to draw here is that there is – uh, countries can avail themselves, governments can avail themselves of protection um, 
and it's not necessarily indicative of a, of a trade war coming on. In fact, for the anti-dumping and countervailing duty laws, it's industry that brings the cases. It's sort of on autopilot, and the administration is not really involved in that. I think we need to reform <laughs> those laws uh, because it's, uh, it, there, there's way too much license for, for mischief and for, for, for hurting consumers and consuming industries. In the 10 years since China has entered the WTO, are we closer now to the uh, famous Wall Street Journal constitutional amendment, there shall be free trade? We certainly don't live in an environment where free trade uh, exists. It's, it is freer. Uh, there's no question there's a lot more trade between the United States and China, and there's a lot more global trade. Uh, the problems in trade are, are less likely to be manifest at the border now in, in tariffs and quotas than they were in the past, and more likely to be manifest in behind-the-border uh, restrictions, uh, sanitary and phytosanitary restrictions with respect to food safety, other technical barriers to trade and standards and things like that. That, I think, is really where reform-minded free traders really need to focus their efforts and, and, and turn the attention of policymakers toward because that is, uh, has a lot of potential for mischief and, and for denying the benefits of freer trade to, to consumers and to economies. Dan Eikenson is Associate Director of the Cato Institute's Center for Trade Policy Studies. You can read his work on the World Trade Organization and other trade-related subjects at Cato.org.